0: I consider it a privilege to be with your church on this day to worship the Lord Jesus, to share in music and in spoken word and especially in bread and cup. Just want to clarify a couple of things so you'll know a little bit more about me. My name is Stephen Hatfield. My wife's name is Marcy. We have five children, four daughters and a son. They're all married and we have 18 grandchildren it just makes me tired saying it (laughs) those 18 grandchildren their parents our kids live right around us so we're in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex we live in Louisville Flower Mound which is just north of the DFW Airport but we have a child family that live about four blocks from us one's about eight blocks another one is a little over a mile have a son and his wife who live in uh, Plano, and a daughter was going to move to Frisco several years ago. And when she came and told me, I said, Lindsay, there's no issue there. We'll see you Christmas and Easter. (laughs) And you know my name, my last name is Hatfield. I get asked about my family name every week when I lined up at the security desk yesterday at the airport to come out here. He looked over everything, and you know, usually they're in a hurry to you know get you on through, and you know, you're usually in a hurry. At least I am. But he just stood there and asked me all these questions about my family, and he said, "Are you one of those Hatfields?" And I said, "Yes," and we won. <laughs> he kind of took it. I said, "Just kidding, just kidding. You can still let me on the plane, no problem." Anyway. Retired about 18 months ago after those years of ministry, the last church I served, and still I'm a member of because we haven't gone anywhere. Uh, We're hoping to, uh, as we look toward calling a pastor, to be able to stay, and hopefully he'll let the old geezer uh, be there and to help him and guide him. So we're uh, grateful for that. But in retirement, we discovered pickleball. I don't know if you think pickleball is fun as I do, but I play three days a week, three hours at a time, and then I go to a trainer to undo everything that I did while I was playing pickleball. But we're staying very busy, and we're able to share with churches from time to time. But basically, retirement for me is what it is for some of you. I do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it, and that's just a good chapter of life to be in. But I wanted to ask you to consider with me a different take, a different look at a very, very familiar story that was so well read for us. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. And you know that Jesus always did things that seemed to upset people. And so it was with the telling of these stories best definition I've ever heard of a parable is one that one man wrote one time and said, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And that's exactly what it is. Jesus used parables more than any other method of teaching, of education. And in this 15th chapter of Luke, he shares three such stories or parables. One about a lost sheep, a second one was about a lost coin. And then this one that I want to ask you to think with me for a few minutes this morning. The lost, the parable, the story about a lost son. Keeping in mind that when Jesus told these stories, he knew it was going to get him in trouble. He knew that there were people that were just waiting for him to slip up and not be able to speak clearly or to say something that would uh, cause them, give them reason to attack him. In that parable of of the prodigal son, I want to ask you to think with me along three lines. One of them is what the young man said to his father. We just finished reading it, but just to refresh our minds, you remember it was a family. All it seemed to be going well. But then you have these two sons, an older brother, a younger brother, as Jesus told the parable. And it was this younger brother that, for whatever reason, resentment, envy, jealousy, just in a bad mood, he made a very rash statement to his father. And you know what it was? It's father, dad, I want what's coming to me when you die, and I want it now. Uh, that's pretty strong. It's pretty ridiculous. It's pretty cruel. But that's exactly how the text reads. i put it this way. There in that, what, 11th verse, he said, Father, give me what's going to be mine. And I think Father, give me is a perfect example of how many of us live our lives right now. We feel entitled. We feel that somebody or something, some system, some government agency, whatever the case may be, owes us something. And everything we say to anyone is always couched in terms of give me. Give me. That's what he said, and lo and behold, as the text tells us, the father did exactly what the younger son asked. Maybe he bought out his younger son, paid him, gave him uh, the cash equivalent of what that percentage would be, and most scholars would say that in the Catholic, excuse me, in the Jewish faith, it would be such that the older brother would have gotten two-thirds and the younger brother would have gotten one-third. Maybe that's what kind of, drove the younger son to being so ugly about things. Regardless, he wanted what he felt was rightly his, and the father said, okay, give me. Give me what I want. But there's a second part of this parable that has always intrigued me, and that is what happened to the young man as time went on? Well, we know. He ran out of money, which means he ran out of friends. And wherever that distant country was, where he left home to go and to live out the rest of his life, it didn't take him long until he found himself completely impoverished. So much so that in order not to starve to death, he had to sell himself, he had to go under the employ of a pig farmer. Remember, folks, swine, pork, not kosher for a Jewish family— And here is a young man that's having to resort to feeding himself off the food that the pigs ate, as well as taking care of something that was considered to be completely unclean. It's when he came to his senses, as we just read in the text. Notice that he said, Not Father, make me. He said, Father, not Father, give me, but Father, make me. One version says, treat me. Treat me as one of your hired hands. I just want to come home. And so at the beginning, it was, Father, give me. And now it's, Father, make me what you want me to be. That's amazing to me. But you see, folks, that's the choice we make. We can live our lives based upon the fact that we've been taught or we just learned it the easy or the hard way, that people owe us, and that means God owes me. God owes me a blessed life. God owes me a wonderful job. God owes me whatever it is I'm gonna fill in the blank to ask of him. If God loves me, then he will do what I ask. He will give me what I want. What a different attitude. Father, make me what you want me to be. You know, this goes against how a lot of people treat everything in life. There's an idea called the great reversal. And it's simply that the Bible teaches that when God calls his kingdom to come to this earth, when God calls time to uh, be at its end, when we move into eternity, that a lot of the things that we held to be very important and of supreme importance and priority in our lives are not going to be the way it is in God's kingdom. Jesus said it like this. He said if you want to be the greatest in my kingdom then be what? The servant of all. He said if you want to be first in my kingdom then go to the back of the line. And more so than anything else he said if you truly want to live if you want to live a full life, then you must die. Father, give me goes against all of that. Father, make me acknowledges God's providence in our lives, his will for us as his children. So you got that younger son spouting off, give me. You've got that younger son coming to his Senses and saying, Father, make me. But then there's that third, that last one. And it's that attitude that we see from coming out of the older brother's mind, in his words anger. Going and wondering, what's all the commotion? What's all the celebrating? And when he was told the news that little brother had come home, he could hardly contain himself. He went and spoke to every servant and went to his father and pled his case. I've always been here for you. One little brother went off and took off and was so rude and cruel when he demanded what he wanted and you gave it in him. What did I do? I stayed here. I stayed here. I'm faithful. I've always been faithful. Yet you've never given me a celebration. You've never treated me like you're treating baby brother. But what gives me pause, what wrecks me, is that this is not the way Jesus wanted it to go. I'm convinced of that. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to rewrite the scripture. I'm not saying cut this passage out if you don't like it. Or I'm simply not saying let's rewrite it the way we want it to be. But I am saying this. I am convinced that Jesus was saddened as he told this story. Because he did not want it to end the way he ended it. How so then? Well, this is a take on it. This is my interpretation of it. And that's all it is. You may have a different take on it. This is how I see Jesus wanting to wrap up this parable. He wanted to tell it like this. He wanted to say, a younger son came to his father and demanded, and then the younger son left. And the older, the, the, the father would get up every morning. He'd get his morning coffee. He'd go out and sit on the porch. But then he'd gaze at the horizon, the direction that the son had taken when he left. And he would just hope and pray that maybe he would see his younger son coming home. He would see the silhouette or he would just see the figure know it was him. And he did it day after day after day after day after day. And the older brother couldn't handle it anymore. And the older brother went to his father and said, Dad, I'm leaving. And his father just anguished and grieved. No, you can't leave. I've already lost one son. I can't lose another one. He said, Dad, let me finish. I'm leaving, and I'm not coming back until I have my brother. I won't return without him. And so he left. And the father every day went through the same routine looking to the horizon day after day the same result nothing until one day he got up went to the front porch looked at the horizon and he saw not one figure but he saw two and he could tell by the the stride of the walk that the older brother was the older brother And then he could tell that the the other figure was not quite as energetic, was a little more hunched over, and he realized it was his young son. And he met them. And he threw his arms around both of them. And they celebrated. See, that's the way I think Jesus wanted to end this parable. But he couldn't. He didn't. We know why. Jesus couldn't tell the story the way he wanted to because of me. He couldn't tell the story the way he wanted to because of you. Because of us. Because we still live our lives as though it's Father, give me. When all along it should be Father, mold me, make me into what you want me to be. You see, we sang that hymn, Just As I Am. And we realize that we do come back to God just as we are. Those words are true, but it also is true that we don't stay where we are. We don't stop our growth. We don't desert our families. We grow. Because you see, it's not Father God, give me. It's Father, make me.
1: Oh, Lord, my God, when I an awesome wonder. Consider all the worlds thy hands have made I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder Thy power throughout the universe displayed
0: help us, encourage us, we know you love us, and we thank you for that love. And all God's people said, amen.